Welcome to another episode of The Shannon Plan. This is episode 70. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, welcome back after a week off. How you doing? How you feeling, man? I'm feeling better, man. Got the got the booster shot last week on Monday night, and we normally record Wednesday mornings, and I just was not feeling myself. So appreciate Kane, uh, staff producer, for stepping in and uh, uh, doing the show last week. And we're back this week with a window. So we are back, and the 49ers won what is, I guess you would call a typical 49ers game uh, for the 2021 season. They got off to a good start. You know, their defense played well. The special teams was up and down. Um, the offense started well and then hit a bump and then came back well. The defense played well, hit a bump, and then got some stops at the end. Everything that you could imagine, everything that you would predict would happen generally doesn't happen when you watch a 49ers game this season. And I guess that's the only consistent thing that that has been going on. You know, it would be nice if the 49ers would just beat up on an opponent for once for four quarters. That way we don't have any sweats. Everything would be like the Jacksonville game. But that is just way (laughs) too good to be true. So, yeah, man, let's just do a quick recap of the Bengals because I mentioned like so two muff punts. Um, the like, I don't think the offense was very good. I know that there, there were 26 points on the board, but I never got the sense that, oh, these guys are crushing it. They have really good players, and they're able to overcome a lot of the mistakes. There were still turnovers. There you know, a would-be interception, uh, fumbles, just having a struggle to move the ball. And then on the defensive side of things, uh, we saw Nick Bosa. We saw the defensive line dominate. The linebackers played well. Secondary, not so much, but instead of killing the secondary – I think you just have to acknowledge that the other team was also very, very good. So Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, like those guys are good. And the other side of the ball, they get paid too. And instead of, you know, blaming the rookie cornerback who was thrown in one of the toughest spots you could imagine, I think it's okay to just acknowledge that, hey, uh, the Bengals are a, you know, a perennial, not a perennial, but a contender this year. And they fight like it. Yeah, the 49ers never play in a normal game, especially this season. It's always you got to hold on to your ass because at any moment they could be up 14 points and you look up and the Bengals scored two touchdowns in what, like a five minute span. It felt like one of those drives. I mean, they were just went boom, 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 right down the field. So it feels like no matter how much the 49ers lead by against a decent opponent, that lead is always at risk, just given how the defense plays this season. And just given, you know, at times their offense can look really inconsistent. And you were right. I thought for three and a half quarters, their offense wasn't really playing well. And a lot of people, since Jimmy Garoppolo had the game-winning drive, tend to forget that. And, you know, the 49ers won in dramatic fashion. And you and I talk about process, process, process a lot. And they've had shaky process the last two weeks, basically, between Seattle and Cincinnati. In Seattle, it just didn't work out because that fourth fourth down play uh, down in the red zone got batted. In Cincinnati, they just made enough plays to come away with the win. But I tweeted this out. If you look at their last two second halves, I mean, I think they've come away with, uh, what, three, six, 13 points, including the overtime, or 12 points, uh, including the overtime. So that's just not going to cut it uh, down the stretch, especially if they make the playoffs, et cetera. So I think that's probably my takeaway. Defensively, I thought D'Amico Ryan did a fantastic job. Uh, I watched the defense yesterday, and him and Chris Kosarek really set the pass rush up well. They had different fronts. They ran different stunts. 
Um, they had a couple like simulated pressures. They had one, I think, on the first play of the game where Fred Warner like was right in Burrow's lap. So I thought they did a fantastic job. They held up for as long as they could. And I thought the offense just had to put away the Bengals earlier in the game, and they just didn't do that. And obviously the special teams mistakes by Cincinnati kind of afforded the 49ers the opportunity to go ahead and win that game. But I thought they were luckier to win that game um, than most fans probably think. Yeah, and they did everything they could to blow that game. And yeah. thankfully the Bengals did too, which is why the 49ers were able to win. But I'm glad you brought that up about Ryan's because when you, when you look at the final score, you, you see 20 points, you think, oh man, you know, the offense, the Bengals offense had their way, but that just wasn't the case. That's not true at all. I thought Ryan's did a great job of quote unquote hiding his cornerbacks because it was evident that whether it was Ambry Thomas, whether it was Josh Norman, even when Diamond Lenore came in, like they just weren't going to be able to guard the two wide receivers who are very, very good. And that is just what happens in the NFL. Trying to cover so, two. Yeah. Right? I um, think I saw, uh, was it Oscar from Better Rivals tweeted it out? He, he said that they played more cover two than they have in the last like 12 games combined, I think. Played like yeah, which, which is not that, surprising so. because um, you could tell, like he needed to make sure that there was going to be no big plays over the top. That didn't happen still on a few plays, but for the most part, you know, by and large, I thought they did a really good job. Um, you mentioned some of the simulated pressures, some of the stunts that they were doing. He is, he is a lot more creative than I thought, you know, many people would have expected coming into this, yeah. just coming into this season. So um, he's doing a really good job of moving Nick Bosa around. Uh, Jordan Elliott wrote about that a little bit on Niners Nation on Tuesday, where Bosa is the only player in the NFL to have like six sacks on each side of the line. They're doing things where they have like a what's called a boss front. So you have three guys on one side, one guy on the other. They're doing that a lot. And it's not just isolating Bosa, but sometimes he'll have Bosa as the number two guy on the three man yep. side. Sometimes he'll be on the number one side. So um, he's doing a really good job of moving him around and they're yeah. getting production from all of their defensive linemen. So Bosa is getting all of the credit, which is fair because he's on a crazy tear right now. But Eric Armstead is playing really well. It seems like he's having some splash plays every game. Sam Snebcom is coming on a lot as of late. Yeah, Arden Key, um, Charles and Minihue, you know, DJ Jones. We cannot talk about the 49ers line without That's DJ true. Jones. So, man, just uh, – and it goes to the front seven too. So, uh, we'll talk about the linebackers, the injury in a second. But I just think all in all – when you're watching the 49ers on both sides of the ball, it seems like it just comes down to two or three players. If they can just hold up, the 49ers are going to be really, really good. The issue is when they don't, everything crumbles, and it's just tough to whether it's get off the field or move the ball in offense. But, the, I mean, that's what this team is. Their, their margin for error is basically non-existent, right? That, and I think that's what you're alluding to, where they just have a few plays go against them, they're kind of screwed. And that happened in Seattle, right? They had just a couple mistakes – and all of a sudden the floodgates open and against Cincinnati the Bengals made the mistakes and the 49ers were able to overcome it so that it's it's so hard to predict this team going forward uh just because you don't know what you're going to expect uh from a mistake standpoint week to week it's just you just can't predict that all right so everybody's watched the game by now you've heard every type of recap there was so let's just move on to the injury front so I mentioned Ambry Thomas he's in the concussion protocol I am not sure if he's going to start moving forward or not. So Dante Johnson, who did not play because of his mother passing away, which is awful. And, you know, hope everything is well. Hope yeah. he's Prayers you know just able to get back right. But um, so if he is healthy, Kyle Shannon said he would have started. Uh, based on how Ambry Thomas played, Kyle Shannon said, you know, he was he liked the way he played. He actually commended him for those jams, for those um, illegal hands to the face penalties because he wasn't backing down. He just needs to aim his his 
lower his aiming point. Lower. Um, which is fair. And again, I, I actually came away encouraged by Ambry Thomas, which is a bizarre thing to say when you think about, you know, the plays that he gave up. But I would I would think that he has a better chance of being a, a starter opposite of Emmanuel Mosley, which who knows when he comes back um, over even a guy like Josh Norman. But I think the real key here is Aziz Alshire, who left the game with an injury. So when he left, the 49ers were giving up about four yards per play, 4.6 yards per play when so that was through three and a half quarters, essentially. So from the third quarter on, from about two minutes to go with the third quarter, fourth quarter, and then overtime, the 49ers allowed eight yards per play. I'm not saying that Aziz is the sole reason for that, but it's pretty evident that the way he flies around, the way he makes plays, like he's just a really freaking good player. Luckily, he is not going to miss time. So if on one of his missed tackles, which everybody loves to point out that he misses tackles and nobody wants to talk about him having tackles for loss in the backfield or breaking up plays or flying around from one side of the uh, one side of the line of scrimmage to the other to stop a play. Um, so he had like he just landed on his elbow wrong. I believe I, I didn't know exactly he, what happened. So I didn't see what happened. Go ahead. It, it was in the it was in the flat, and he went to go tackle Mixon or a, a running back, and he just kind of stretched his arm out, uh, and it just got caught awkwardly. And as soon as he landed, you knew something was wrong. You could see on the all twenty two, he's just kind of writhing in pain on the ground. And I remember I saw a report on Sunday that he might be out for the season. Um, but luckily it just sounds like it's an elbow sprain. It's day to day, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, we talked about this maybe last year on the pod with Dre Greenlaw and Quan Alexander and how, when you play linebacker, there's, you just have to have this instinctual like nose for the ball and you have to be a little reckless. I think was the word you used. And it feels like Aziz Alshire has that. It just seems like he's always around the ball. And yes, sometimes he misses tackles, but sometimes he just holds up the guy long enough till the rest of the, party comes through and cleans it up so he's been fantastic i think he had 11 tackles right uh when he um was out there was a play where he almost had an interception and ended up i think they ended up completing the pass uh because got like deflected around a couple times but he's just always in the right spot backfield sideline to sideline honestly it looked like he was playing better than 54 uh for a large majority of that game but that's a whole another conversation for a different day <laughs> No, we can talk about it, baby. So Sports Info Solutions had him for four tackles for loss. On the season, he has 21 tackles for loss. That is insane to think about. So he is not only making plays, like because everybody always, you know, hey, this guy had so-and-so tackles, but it's not, it's he's making tackles at the line of scrimmage, which is pretty wild. And um, so tackles for loss, the sacks, he's not giving up much in the passing game, and he's also breaking up passes. So I mentioned Sports Info Solutions. They have a stat, what's called total points saved. And I guess the best way to think about it is just like a war stat. So coming into this week, Aziz Alshire was thir- uh, fourth in the NFL. No, sorry. He was fifth in the NFL among all defenders of total points saved. That is incredible. And that just tells you like those interceptions, uh, him getting his hand on the ball. And then again, making those tackles beyond or at the line of scrimmage. That is just a big deal. So he has played better than Fred Warner, and I don't, that doesn't mean he's a better player than Fred Warner. I think that's that's why people are so reluctant to say that. He's just having a better season and, and more impactful. I guess those plays make a difference. Who knew? So let's talk about D Ford. You wrote an article on Niners Nation. So D Ford apparently not expecting to be around for very long for the 49ers. So Kyle Shanahan spoke that he, so they, the 49ers need to activate him today on Wednesday before the three-week practice window goes 
expires. And if not, then he's he's not going to be able to play for the rest of the season. Um, not too much of a surprise since, you know, they've tried. He came back to practice a couple weeks ago. I believe it was at the beginning of the month, right around the same time Dre Greenlaw did. And then nothing happened. We didn't hear anything about it. And since then, uh, we haven't, you know, he hasn't practiced. He hasn't been activated from the IR. So we mentioned the 49ers defensive line, and they played very well without him. So it's not as if he's a big loss. When he does play, he is a playmaker, but uh, they just haven't been able to rely on him. Absolutely. When they opened his practice window three weeks ago, you and I talked, and we thought that D. Ford could actually contribute something. Kyle Shanahan was kind of optimistic about what Ford would bring, and that would have been a huge addition to this pass rush, even if it was just obvious passing downs. They could just use anybody along uh this defensive line and unfortunately i guess his back acted up again and clearly it looks like he's not going to be uh, activated this season um and if he's informing teammates that he's going to be released that it's probably you know going to happen within the next few days just looking at it from a salary cap standpoint um it, i'm not sure why they would choose to release him at this moment uh just because i don't think it has any um salary cap space back this season unless they rework his contract and there's something that we just don't know yet because if you look at over the cap right now uh they'd lose 9.8 million dollars by uh releasing him today and currently they don't even have that uh cap space right right now so there must be some rework that happens behind the scenes but which is what happened before which is what happened before to free up some cap space and but assuming their contract stays in place they would save about two million dollars next year and they voided out 2023, so you don't really save anything against the cap. But just a brutal contract um, after they traded the second-round pick for him. You and I always thought uh, the player evaluation was right. They needed a speed rusher opposite Nick Bosa. They got that. Uh, just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And then the problem with the 49ers in this situation is they just continue to compound the problem by restructuring the contract and just pushing the money out versus just getting rid of him when you realize it doesn't work out. And we've talked. So one of the differences between the Rams and the 49ers, when the Rams, they've got a player that doesn't work out, they cut bait, right? Marcus Peters, uh, who else? Uh, Sammy Watkins. They've had multiple players like that where they trade for them, it doesn't work out, boom, they're gone. And with the 49ers, with D4, they just kept trying and trying and trying, and now they're paying the price for it, both against the cap and then just not having him uh, on the roster. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. So, George Kittle, week 14, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and well-deserved because – so last week he had 181 receiving yards, which, okay, sure, tied in. So he followed that up with another performance. So 13 catches, 151 yards, one touchdown. On the surface, it seems like he had another really, really good game, but I think it goes beyond that just because – when you think about the type of catches that he had to make, when you think about when he made those catches, when his team needed him to make a play, Kittle came through, Kittle came through, Kittle came through. So one of the questions is like, were the 49ers using him as a blocker too much? So on the first third down of the game, Kittle was not in the ball game. Why? Who knows? But there are other times where, so there was a later in the game, third down, they leave Kittle in to block. The Bengals run a stunt right next to him, next to Compton and Brunskill, and they give up a sack. So even when you are leaving him in the block, you know, it, it's not working to the, you know, it's, I guess I would say it's not working in the same light as if you would use him as a, you know, running a route. So do you think the 49ers are using Kittle too much as a blocker? I guess, have they been using him too much as a blocker? And I know that's part of their offense. 
I know that's what they do, what they rely on. And a lot of their passing game is built on, you know, their running game. But it just seems like let him run routes, man. <laughs> let him let him do the thing where he is one-on-one with a safety, which the Bengals did. So they tried to blitz Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers offense. When that when that happened, it just leaves Kittle, Ayuk, Debo one-on-one. Jimmy's going to Kittle, and then there's just no stopping him one-on-one, man. Yeah, the last point that you said is, I think, the key. Jimmy Garoppolo loves going to George Kittle. You you watch all 22 every week, and it seems like his eyes always go to Kittle first, and oftentimes he locks on to Kittle for too long and misses other things, it feels like. And so, yeah, if you can, you have George Kittle run as many routes as possible because you can see when he gets the proper like target shares, he puts up monster numbers. I mean, since returning from his calf injury in week nine, so over the last, what, six games or so, his ranks among wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, his PFF grade, which we can talk about PFF grades, but he's first in offensive grade. He's first in receiving grade. He leads the league in touchdowns. He's second in yards, first in yards after the catch. He's second in yards per route run, which is like an efficiency stat. He's second in missed tackles forced, actually tied with Brandon Ayuk, which is also really good. And he's first, yeah, eight missed, eight forced uh, missed tackles. And he's second in passer rating when targeted. So he's been every bit as good as Debo Samuel was the first part of the season, just in a different way. And it's been the evolution of the 49ers offense throughout the season has been fun to watch. And George Kittle these last two weeks has just been a man possessed. I mean, I thought this game against Cincinnati was more impressive than the Seattle game because a lot of the yards Damn. in the Seattle game came on chunk plays, whereas against the Bengals, he was making catch after catch after catch. Um, and then that catch, uh, was it an overtime or in the fourth quarter where he like leaps? I mean, that's just such an acrobatic play. And to do that and then come back and be, you know, block an edge on the Debo Samuel touchdown run right. just shows you how versatile and special he is. And this 49ers offense is just full of guys that can do multiple things, right? Debo Samuel running back wide receiver, George Kittle blocker and receiver. It's just fantastic. And you hope they, that Kyle Shanahan just uses more as a route runner. They give him the freaking ball on reverses and like jet sweeps too. Like if you're wondering yeah. how yeah. special of an athlete Kittle is, they hand him the ball. So I think one of the biggest evolutions to this offense is that they're giving him the ball or they're giving him targets near the red zone. So set a career high yeah. on Sunday with six with his sixth touchdown of the season. He's done it in six. Like he's done all of this pretty it's much since he came games. back. Yeah, which is nuts to think about. So on that play, when you talk about Jimmy locks on to Kittle on Kittle's touchdown, Kittle's actually the third read, which is nice sure. to see the quarterback be patient in the pocket, go through his reads, find Kittle. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's tough to guard him down there, especially just because of his side. Like he can go above the rim and make plays. So in the playoffs, you know, cause I, I don't feel like we have to tiptoe around this team where well, the 49ers are probably going to make the playoffs. The um, yeah. if they don't, Ooh, we, there will be some, they have to have collapse some, down the stretch. Yeah, like they have to lose to the Texans essentially, which would be very right. tough to do Davis mills and the Texans. But yeah, once we get to the playoffs, I imagine, you know, it, I wouldn't be opposed to like force feeding Kittle in the red zone just because, again, like it is so hard to double cover in there. It is so hard to guard all of your guys down there. And then, you know, with his size against the safety, which we saw against the Bengals try to guard, um, just didn't work. So the Bengals head coach, he said, we did everything. We tried to do everything and it didn't work. And that's essentially what happened. But, uh, okay, you talk about Ayuk, who was also one of the, you know, one of the league leaders in broken tackles. Do you think we would have seen this production without Ayuk being benched earlier? 
because remember we went through that whole thing where he wasn't blocking or he wasn't it wasn't so Kyle Shannon spoke a little bit about this on Monday it wasn't so much his effort it was his attention to detail and now we are seeing that so his effort is outstanding like he does actually try you see a couple times where he sees somebody else catch the ball and he immediately turns into a blocker looks upfield and tries to get somebody um when the ball is in his hands he's still electric he's like he's he looks like a punt returner when they give him the ball like my only hold hold up with, with him is in the end zone like you have to catch that ball and when i say that he caught the ball you just find a way to get a limb get down um the week before that high pass where he gets hit and you know the ball's jarred loose and i know you know it's not really a drop in my mind either was this last one against the Bengals. but if you want to be put in that category of you know the elites the top sevens the top fives the top tens those are the passes that I will have to come down with. Of course, you know, to have that, he's not having the same opportunity as them. So that's not a fair apples to apples comparison. But uh, yeah, what do you think about it? How good can he be? And how much of this success is due to how the coaching staff handled it? I think you have to give credit to the 49ers for how they handled Brandon Ayuk. And a lot of people early in the season were just, I think they were more upset because they didn't know what was going on. Because uh, Kyle Shanahan was just kind of being vague about the whole situation. John Lynch went on the radio and kind of put Brandon Ayuk on blast. Ayuk seemed to be handling the situation well. And you just didn't know like what was going on. So I felt like a lot of people were just upset because of that. But Brandon Ayuk has come on as of late. And also a lot of credit to him for handling the situation professionally. He never you know, once complained or anything. He just showed up to work. And eventually that it paid off. And his attention to details gotten better, like you mentioned and I thought it started right around that Chicago game where I think there was a play where he blocked someone like all the way down the field on an Elijah Mitchell run and he's celebrating after. And you could tell his his mood kind of shifted after that. He had the two-point conversion in that game as well. Since week nine, here, here, here are his box score. He's had six catches, 89 yards, touchdown. Three catches, 26 yards. Seven catches, 85 yards, one touchdown. Three catches, 91 yards. Three catches, 55 yards. And then this past week, it was six for 62 and a touchdown. So if you just take that over a 17-game span, that's 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and nine touchdowns. So that's essentially what you're getting out of Brandon Knight to go along with Debo Samuel and George Kittle. So if you can get that type of production out of him for the full season, I mean, my God, this offense just is limitless, right? And yeah, you know so how silly it is. Brandon Ayuk. It's yeah. so silly that we spent all offseason talking about, you know, Trent Sherfield, Jalen Hurd um Jawan Jennings like people stepping up they have an embarrassment of riches on the like we've been talking about this at all seriously if number 10 just spreads the ball plays point guard the options on this offense are unlike most teams in the NFL like they have probably a top five core of weapons on this offense and right. we're starting to see that slowly but surely it's nice that Ayuk is coming along but this talent has been there all along and we shouldn't act like this is a surprise so it is nice that they are starting to slowly but surely get there. Still, um, th they are a little bit inconsistent, and and that's not you know one person's fault. Uh, penalties happen. You know, obviously the fumbles, the drops, whatever it may be. But I think they will figure it out. So we're gonna take we're gonna talk about the Falcons next and the playoff odds when we come back after this quick break. All right. So 49ers playoff odds on October 25th. The 49ers odds of making the playoffs per ESPN's Football Power Index or FBI was. 20%. Football Outsiders had them at 27%, and then 538 had them at 16%. Things were bleak. 
Nobody wanted to talk about the playoffs, even though it was pretty clear, like, hey, just look at their schedule. If they just stop shooting themselves in the foot, throwing up on themselves, they will probably have a still good chance to even get the seven seed. Now, fast forward two months later, ESPN has given the 49ers a 77% chance to make the playoffs after their win over the Bengals. 538 gives the 49ers 75% chance, and then Football Outsiders is actually up to 85%, which is up nearly 4% after last week so that's why when we're talking about the 49ers are probably going to make the playoffs it's because they're going to make the playoffs like we've mentioned a win over the falcons and a win over the texans should be enough we're talking about the tie like people are talking about the titans and that's going to be next week on a short week on thursday night football i don't think the titans are anywhere near as good as their perception would be as good as their record would be especially now that they don't have derrick henry who knows if aj brown will play but I think the 49ers should be able to get by Tennessee as well. So it'll just come down to that last game against the Rams if they can, you know, finish the season 4-0. If they finish this season with 11 wins, man, that would be one hell of a turnaround from Shanahan. It would be tough to um, give him any kind of Eight, grief. one down the stretch? Yeah, that is very, very good, man. And we, we talk about it. So Tennessee, they I don't know if they are going to be a playoff team because every team in the AFC has the same record essentially. But, you know, playoff contender Bengals were a playoff contender and they beat them on the road no matter what happened during the game I know the Bengals made a ton of mistakes so did the 49ers but the 49ers came out victorious um I'm really interested to see what week 17 means for this team because I want it to mean something that way we see the 49ers and Rams have something to play for um but again it it will come down to you know who do you think the 49ers want to see? And I guess maybe the better question is, who do you want to see? Because in my mind, I want them to play the Cardinals. I think that is the best matchup for them. I think that would be the easiest way for them to get out of round one. I think the 49ers are built to be a playoff team anyway with the way they play. and They can chew up the clock. They play. They have a really good defensive line, which trumps everything. I know that we're worried about the cornerbacks on the outside, but when you can get pressure, um, as we saw, those stops, those sacks that Bosa's getting, those QB hits that it seems like everybody is getting along the defensive line, like those will be the plays that you remember and not so much um, the illegal hands to the face, I should say. And then, of course, on the other side of the ball, weapons, weapons, weapons. So they can score and they can sack the quarterback and they can run the football and stop the run. Like those are the things that I believe will be the reason that the 49ers do get out of the first round. But it has to be, you know, you have to take care of business. So I think Arizona, where, where do you go? So if you had to rank the four teams, you got Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Arizona, Dallas. I think those are the four likeliest teams that end up as the division winners. The Rams still have an outside chance, but they've got a tough schedule. They got Seattle this week. They're in enhanced COVID protocols, and they go to Baltimore. They got a tough stretch. So out of those four teams, I would definitely not want to go to Green Bay. I know the 49ers have played Green Bay a bunch these last few seasons, and generally they've had success when they've been healthy and whole, but I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers in January in Lambeau when it's freezing cold. It's just, you know, a, a bad matchup. I also wouldn't want to go to Tampa Bay. I mean, I think I was looking yesterday. Tom Brady's first in DR, DVOA, and QBR, and they've got – their weapons are just endless. That would be a tough matchup, I think, for the 49ers defensively. So if I had to pick, I would rather I would either play Arizona or Dallas. Uh, and I think you're right. I'd rather play Arizona than Dallas. And the other thing we talk about this, and I don't know what the historic numbers are, but I always think it's hard to be a team three times in a season. We saw this last season with the Bucs and the Saints. Uh, the Saints beat the Bucs, I think, both times in the regular season. 
then the Bucks uh, played them wildcard weekend on the road in uh, the Superdome, and they beat them. And I, I just think it's it's tough in the NFL, given how good coaching is, to beat a team three straight times. And I like, is Cliff Kingsbury going to beat Kyle Shanahan three straight times? I have a hard time believing it. And so we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I would most likely want to face Arizona, you know, divisional opponent, uh, uh, dome, uh, shortest travel, et cetera. So that, that would be the most ideal matchup. And, you know, that's where Arizona sits right now, the three spots. So we'll see where, where it ends up. I think they end up playing Dallas later in the season. So that'll probably determine the, the three and the four spot, but do you think we'll Either see Arizona gamesmanship Dallas. from Shanahan? Like, let's say it comes down to week week 17 and you have a chance to go to Tampa Bay or go to Arizona. Do you think, like, they will pull starters in the second half, that type of thing? And, of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but eventually we're going to talk about this and it will come down to, like, whatever scenario you want to go with. Like, do you want to go to Jerry's World? Do you want to go to freaking Lambeau Field? Which, of course not. You talk about Arizona. So even if – they open the roof, it'll be 70 degrees in Arizona. You don't have to worry about any type of weather affecting you. And honestly, that'll be closer to a home game for the 49ers because Cardinals fans, I don't know if you folks know there last year. Um, <laughs> they're, Cardinals fans like Arizona, Phoenix, they're all transplants. Like nobody's really from here, so nobody's really rooting for the Cardinals. So it'll be 49ers West. There are 49ers bars all over the place in, in Phoenix. So um, I think that would be the closest thing to a home game for them. And Again, their their closest way to or their easiest path, I should say, to getting to the second round. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I guess how about this? What what team would you least like to face in the first round? Tampa Bay, one one hundred percent. Tampa Bay will probably also be warm in January around that time, but I, I just wouldn't want to face Tom Brady in the playoffs. The Tom Brady that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynn said no to. Could you imagine the storylines leading up to that week? <laughs> Uh, and he, he would take it personal. Right. And that offensive line has been playing well. He gets the ball out quick, right? So now you got Josh Norman and whoever covering, you know, Godwin Evans. It just – I just don't like that matchup, but I would try to avoid Tampa at all costs. But to answer your earlier question, I don't think the coaching staff looks at it like, let's try to lose here to match, you know, uh, match up with this team. I think Kyle Shannon just looks at it like, let's win every game possible sure. and let the cards fall where they may. Um, I also think it just sets a bad tone to your team if you're trying to, like, lose to try to face a different team. You'd want to just say, okay, we can play whoever we want. Uh, Any given Sunday, we'll see what happens. Uh, So I think that's how they'll look at it. And we'll see. I think think you're predicting they're going to go 3-1, and 4-0 down the stretch. Yeah, like, at worst, they'd lose to the Rams, but I just don't see them losing to the – like, the – I think that they're going to beat the Falcons by double digits. I I don't think that – point favorites. Yeah, I don't think the Falcons match up well. It started at 8, and it's trending up, and it'll probably close at 10. Um, The Texans, not a real team, so don't have to worry about them. Their coach can't even figure out their locker room. Again, the Titans, they they might seem good on paper, but the the way that they're playing right now, they are struggling to move the ball um, without A.J. Brown. And Julio Jones, Just you know, he's not the same type of player. And Ryan Tannehill without Derrick Henry is just not the same quarterback either. So I think they're going to beat the Titans pretty easily too. So it'll just come down to the Rams, the second game, and, you know, whichever version of the Rams we see, we get it. I think that'll be a good game if both teams do play out. But, that again, that's a coin flip. And Shanahan owns his little brother. So, like, like until further notice, <laughs> it'll be, I imagine, you know, I, I'm going to pick the 49ers to win that game. So um, 
yeah, I think Tampa Bay, you just want nothing to do with them. To me, they are the best team in football, and it's not particularly close. Like, it's them and everybody else. It's them, Gap, Chiefs, Gap, everybody else. So, yeah, I would want nothing to do with Tampa Bay until, the like, you know, the NFC Championship. I would yeah. probably want to play, you know, Green Bay yeah, next just because that good. would be – well, when I say Green Bay – I would probably not want to play Green Bay next, I guess is what I should have said, just because Lambeau Field. If it was at home, perhaps, but Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, no matter what you think of the rest of the team, like that combo is lethal. And they prove it time in, time out, that they're they're just not to be messed with. Um, yeah, Dallas is just – they're so fluky that they do have a ton of talent, and I would want nothing for the 49ers secondary to go against their weapons. But – I don't know, man. It's Mike McCarthy at the end of the day. And I think, you know, Dak hasn't been playing well, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, since that know, injury, so Shanahan knows Dan Quinn and and he would eat that defense alive. So um it would it would come down to Arizona and then Dallas. But again, we'll we'll get there plenty of time. So before we get out of here, let's talk about the Falcons quick. Um, should we be worried about Atlanta? Because they have been a pain in the 49ers side, you know, the 2019 loss. We can talk about the pick and, pick and stick, but that was, you know, forever ago. This version of the Falcons, like no matter how you slice it, they are not good. You know, can we talk, can Matt Ryan take advantage of the 49ers cornerbacks? I don't think so, just because I don't think that they have receivers. I know Cordell Patterson was like a big thing earlier in the season. Like he's, it's not the same. Like they're not the same offense. They don't have players that can hurt you on the perimeter. Kyle Pitts, very good player, but that is it. On defense, they might have the worst defensive line in the NFL. Georgia might have a better defensive line <laughs> than than Atlanta, so they they might even not, they might not even have the best defensive line in their state, which is something to say. I think the the 49ers will be able to do whatever they want to. I'll be curious to see if Elijah Mitchell comes back or if the 49ers you know continue to hold him out and let him get healthy because this is a game that they can get by without Elijah Mitchell. And I know they're going to load the box, but. Um, outside of like one cornerback, I don't think that there's really anybody on Atlanta that can hurt them. So um, I don't think that this is going to be a game where there is a sweat that the 49ers have to really worry about. Sure, it might be close at first, but I think they'll pull away. I think the, I just don't see the Falcons scoring very many points against the 49ers, and I don't see them stopping the 49ers, which comes down to a score of double digits. What do you, what do you think? I see it similar to the Jaguars game. I mean, let's look at their DVOA. Uh, the Falcons are dead last, 32nd in total team DVOA. They're 29th in offense, 30th in defense. And then within defense, they're 30th against the pass and 29th against the rush. I mean, they just don't do anything right outside of uh, – uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. But the corner uh, that you mentioned they drafted in the first round last Terrell. year. Terrell. Uh, Terrell, there we go. Uh, A.J. Terrell, they don't have much going for them on defense. So – I'd expect the 49ers to put up points in bunches. They're at home. They just need to make sure that they don't view this as a trap game, like the Cardinals game with Colt McCoy. They just need to show up, take care of business, and move on to next week. They've got a short week against the Titans. This is like set up perfectly for a trap game. Emotional win on the road against the playoff team. You've got a short week Thursday night at Tennessee against whatever, a good team, playoff team, and then a clunker you know, in between. You just you got to take care of business. You're at home. You're nine point favorites. Just get the win. Get out of here. And, uh, you know, you'll be eight and six. Move on to next week. That That's all that matters this week. And I think they do that. I think they've dropped enough games earlier in the season that they know what to do. I think they win by double digits pretty easily as well. 
Yeah, so just looking at just the trending metrics. So instead of using like season long, since week six, the Falcons are, and this is offensively, they are 27th in EPA per play. They are 26th in success rate. So that tells you they're not moving the ball. They're not, they don't have any big plays. They're just not scoring points defensively in those same categories. The Falcons defense is 23, 23rd in EPA per play. And then they are 29th in success rate. So you can do whatever you want to against them. They're not stopping you. Meanwhile, the 49ers, they are first in defensive success rate, which I think puts a lot of pressure on other teams. And I know, again, it goes back to the secondary, but when you have to throw the ball against this defense, eventually you're opening up things for Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and the rest of the defensive line. So, uh, again, not too worried about the Falcons. What, what's your score prediction? I think the 49ers put up at least 30 points. I'm going to go 31-13. I just don't think the Falcons score very many points. I think the 49ers pull away. I think Matt Ryan maybe has one of those late drives try to get them back, but I just think it's a blot. I think it's a snoozer. I think it's one of those comfortable Sundays where we can just start writing and recording early and not have to worry about the outcome of this game. What about you? Cannot wait. I hope you're right. And I agree. So I'm going to say 28-13. I just think it's one of those games. Yeah. It almost seems like they're going through emotions or maybe us as fans, us as watchers, uh, we are comfortable for the first time in a long time, but I don't think that, you know, we'll be able to say this too many more times aside from the Texans game. You mentioned the Titans on a short week. That probably would lead me to sit Elijah Mitchell out, knowing that you have to turn around real quick. So um, sit Elijah Mitchell, have him for the Titans game, because you probably will need him against just a better team, a better quality team. And then from there, you give him two weeks to rest, and they'll be good to go. So, yeah, 28-13 is what I got. So that'll do it for us today. Thank you, as always. Please rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is you give your get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. 49ers keep rolling. We will too. Uh, Akash, where can we find you? At Twitter, at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. As always, uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, rate, subscribe, review, Niners Nation Podcast Network. Go follow Cal Posey at KP underscore show. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. And go Niners.